Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to Destination Disaster. I am your host, Devin Carney. As we kick off the episode today, I want to wish all of you a very happy new year. As I stated before the break, there are big things in store for the remainder of the season and beyond. Since I've been away from the mic, there have been quite a few events that have occurred, and moving forward, when we start season 5, the episodes will cover more current affairs instead of the traditional historic items that we have been covering. Since we're a little way off from that right now, let's take a quick minute to review the more recent disasters that have occurred since I've been away from the mic. Between December 23rd and December 27th, Buffalo, New York was once again battered by a winter storm. This storm dumped approximately 36 inches of snow and wind speeds reached a whopping 70 miles per hour. First responders and city officials scrambled to respond to this most recent blizzard, not realizing just how deadly it would be. 30,000 would be left without power and unfortunately, many would be left stranded and deceased due to the plummeting temperatures. A total of 44 people have lost their lives during this incredibly dangerous storm. China recently ended its zero-COVID policy, citing civil discontent within the population. With the ending of this program, case rates have increased significantly. Reliable numbers are impossible to obtain. The official figures are increasingly ludicrous fiction. The withdrawal of the onerous testing system has moved China from one extreme to the other, with citizens forming social media groups to work together to find testing kits which are suddenly in short supply. China maintains that there have only been seven deaths since the zero-COVID policy effectively ended on December 7th. Even as the bodies pile up in crematoriums and fever clinics, in part, this is because of China's extremely narrow definition of COVID-19 deaths, a policy choice that continues the country's past undercounting of flu deaths. Virtually any pre-existing condition is being seized on to avoid classifying a death as due to COVID-19, while other fatalities are being attributed as with flu to pneumonia or cardiac arrest rather than the trigger of COVID-19. Due to this response from the Chinese government, a majority of countries have re-implemented mandatory testing of any persons traveling in from China and includes France, Australia, India, Japan, Italy, Malaysia, Taiwan, South Korea, Morocco, Qatar, United States, and Israel. The European Union and Philippines are currently monitoring the situation and have yet to make a decision on the matter. Finally, immense amounts of rainfall have slammed into California, causing floods to form. This is in addition to the rain that hammered the coast previously, leaving the ground saturated and unable to absorb any more rainwater. 
Officials in California ordered evacuations in high-risk coastal areas where mudslides killed 23 people in 2018 as a huge storm barreled into the state Wednesday, bringing high winds and rain that threatened widespread flooding and knocked out power to more than 100,000 people. The storm was expected to dump up to 6 inches or 152.4 millimeters of rain in parts of the San Francisco Bay Area where most of the region would remain under flood warnings until late Thursday night. In Southern California, the storm was expected to peak in intensity overnight into Thursday morning with Santa Barbara and Ventura counties likely to see the most rain, forecasters said. Wind speeds associated with the storm were recorded dusting to 85 miles per hour and forced the cancellations of several flights out of San Francisco International Airport. Alright, now that we have that cleared up, we're going to jump into the topic for this week's discussion. This week, we're going to focus on domestic terrorism and how there has been a clear shift recently from what we as Americans typically associate terrorism with and what has occurred. As always, if you have an idea for an episode that I have yet to cover, please submit it to the Destination Disaster email. That is destinationdisastertopics at gmail.com. So what exactly is domestic terrorism? Well, according to the FBI, domestic terrorism is violent, criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences, such as those of a political, religious, social, racial, or environmental nature. Presently, the FBI views white supremacy and other far right-wing extremist groups as the top threat to domestic security here in the United States. The last two decades have seen a true dynamic shift from a risk of terrorism originating from outside of the United States to having to worry if your neighbor is the perpetrator of the next attack. According to a report released by the Government Accountability Office in 2017, indicates that a sharp dynamic shift from foreign-influenced terrorist attacks to domestic terrorist attacks has occurred. Since September the 11th, 2001, the number of fatalities caused by domestic violent extremists has ranged from 1 to 49 in a given year. The report noted, Fatalities resulting from attacks by far right-wing violent extremists have exceeded those caused by radical Islamist violent extremists in the 10 of the 15 years and were in the same in three of the years since September the 11th, 2001. Of the 85 violent extremist incidents that resulted in death since September 12th, 2001, far right-wing violent extremist groups were responsible for 62, or 73%, while radical Islamist violent extremists were responsible for 23, or 27%. You may be asking yourself why I cover a subject like this on a podcast that is mainly focused on covering disasters. Well, it is in my opinion that the next major terrorist attack here within the United States will be perpetrated by one of these right-wing extremist organizations. I'm not simply talking about Cletus down at the corner store. No, I'm talking about one of the several hundred groups that, while disorganized and quite frankly stupid, have shown themselves to the public. The last couple of years have shown these groups to plot and even attack critical infrastructure such as power substations. In the past two years, anti-government groups began using online forums to urge followers to attack critical infrastructure, including the power grid. They have posted documents and even instructions outlining vulnerabilities and suggesting the use of high-powered rifles. On one 14-page guide obtained by CNN, cited as an example, the 2013 sniper attack on a high-voltage substation at the edge of Silicon Valley that destroyed 17 transformers and cost Pacific Gas and Electric $15 million in repairs. This simply isn't a movement anymore. These groups are becoming increasingly more violent, and the attacks are starting to encompass tactics such as the attacks on critical infrastructure and hate-based violence. Once we reach a point where attacks begin to resemble events such as the attack on the Monroe County substation, it's no longer an online chat group with your buddies. 
At that point, it is domestic terrorism. My fear is that these groups will become more organized in the future and plan out much larger, detailed attacks that will lead to a mass casualty event or damage to further critical infrastructure. There is a path that people take to become radicalized, and it isn't an overnight switch that occurs. This process is highly detailed and highly researched to understand what drives people to radicalize and want to commit heinous acts of violence against their communities. I'm actually going to cover it because for those of you listening, it is a valuable process to know so that if anyone in your family resembles any one of these steps, you can take appropriate action to let the local authorities know if you suspect a dangerous situation may occur. There are steps to de-radicalize those individuals, and once again, that does involve a process, so please seek professional help if you suspect someone in your circle may be involved in dangerous groups. The stages of radicalization include pre-radicalization, detachment, peer immersion, and training, and planning and execution of violent action. Pre-radicalization involves a shift in cognitive thinking of an individual seeking to radicalize. This could include expressions of disillusionment with world affairs or with religious or political authorities. Detachment is exactly as it sounds. The individual becomes detached from reality, spending inordinate amounts of time with new friends or in online chat groups. This includes actively seeking to get closer to a new authority figure or proselytizing online or in real life. Peer immersion includes those individuals transitioning through the process and physically meeting with those groups with who he or she has been chatting with. This includes seeking out ways to demonstrate commitment to the new ideological community and its mission. For example, by engaging in firearms training or learning new skills considered vital by those militant organizations. Finally, once the individual has fully radicalized, this is where you typically find it hard to communicate or even be in said person's physical circle with how disillusioned he or she has become. Typically, you will see an individual attempt to commit violent acts, threaten to cause harm, or join the group in which they have been meeting with. Additionally, this includes the individual actively supporting another person carrying out violent action on behalf of the ideology. The risk of organized attack from these militant-style groups has remained significantly high in recent years, as many have called for attacks on minority groups, government centers throughout the United States, and even critical infrastructure. That is exactly why we must focus on preventing domestic terror groups such as the Three Percenters, Oath Keepers, and others from spreading their message of hate and promoting of violence as this only motivates those who may be in the process of radicalization to act sooner. As seen with the January 6th insurrection, when called on, these groups can act on and commit acts of violence when called on or believe they are called on. Most of these groups promote anti-government leaning, white supremacist views, and one in America where our food would never be seasoned. While I joke, the true risk of these groups committing mass violence against communities is high and poses a true threat to the safety and security of every American today. I write about this topic because the electrical substation attack in Monroe County shows a true shift from protesting and promoting hatred to acting on that and committing acts of violence that encompass entire communities. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Intelligence Project identified 488 anti-government groups that were active in 2021. This is down from 566 in 2020. Of these groups, 92 were militias, 75 sovereign citizens, 3 constitutional sheriffs, and 52 conspiracy propagandist groups. The number of anti-government groups peaked in the 2010s and has declined since, but the current decrease in organized group numbers is not reflective of a lack of broad support or activity. In 2021, the conspiratorial and permanently dubious view of government was pervasive, 
as evidenced by the movement's popularity on such issues as COVID-19 regulations, local school curriculum, the big lie voter fraud, border security, and various technological advances such as 5G cell service. Anti-government imagery such as the Gadsden flag and the 3 percenter logo was commonly displayed by adherents across the country. Anti-government groups were linked up with other hard-right groups in 2021 as they often targeted the same marginalized communities and engaged in actual or threats of political violence. The January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, an attempt to stop the Democratic transfer of power through the formalized counting of electoral votes, was the most public moment for the anti-government movement since the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. Of the over 700 people charged with offenses ranging from trespassing to seditious conspiracy for the acts on January 6th, at least 25 were members of identified anti-government organizations. While I wish I could say that January 6th was the end of the domestic threat, it's not. These anti-government groups will continue to promote racist, hateful ideologies that have no basis in this country any longer, and politicians who subscribe to these theories will continue to gain positions of power that will allow these groups to operate with little to no consequences. We're going to take a quick break right here, and when we return, we're going to discuss the risks of these groups committing a mass terror attack somewhere within the United States. Now before the break, we discussed violent domestic terror groups and the risk of attack right here in the United States. 2022 saw a steep increase in attacks by individuals with far-right beliefs, particularly aimed at critical infrastructure. A report developed by Alana Krill and Bennett Clifford at George Washington University and the National Counterterrorism Innovation, Technology, and Education Center state far-right groups continue to target said critical infrastructure. In recent years, as the terrorist and violent extremist threat to critical infrastructure has metastasized, there has also been a renewal of government and academic focus on these issues and debates. Most recently, in June 2022, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security National Terrorism Advisory System, or the NTAS, bulletin warned of a heightened risk of terrorist attacks against public facilities, private institutions, and critical infrastructure. The alert also assessed that these risks significantly expanded during the past five years as domestic extremists developed specific plots against the energy sector. The recent June 2022 bulletin adds to a steady drumbeat warning from the DHS in the past year about the potential for terrorist attacks on critical infrastructure. For instance, such as a January 2022 memo warned energy stakeholders of potential physical damage to the energy infrastructure explaining that domestic extremists feel more capable of attacking the energy sector without being detained due to the infrastructure's widely dispersed state. Then, in February of that same year, DHS re-emphasized domestic extremists' renewed focus on targeting electric and communications infrastructure, including by spreading false or misleading narratives about 5G cellular technology through Telegram and other media channels. The energy infrastructure in the United States is some of, if not the most vulnerable sector currently. When walking or driving throughout your community, do you ever notice that substations are normally only guarded by little more than a chain leak fence? Humans are more reliant on electricity today than ever, which is why I'm concerned that local communities do very little to protect and safeguard this sector. Reading through this report, it's glaringly obvious that these domestic terror groups have also identified that the energy sector is incredibly vulnerable. This report that I am using for the final bit of this episode tracks plotted attacks between 2016 and 2022. 
The surprising thing is that this peak of plotted attacks is between 2019 and 2021, coinciding with the peaks of violence we witnessed against minority groups, such as the numerous mass shootings that occurred. I never aim to cause fear in any of my episodes, but I believe domestic terror groups, such as these wannabe militant groups and white supremacist organizations, are going to be the next source of the next major terrorist attack here within the country. The reports that I have read show that these groups are capable of planning and coordinating such attacks, and due to their decentralized nature, it is increasingly challenging to track every single source. A five-man team of neo-Nazis located in several states reportedly attempted to organize a paramilitary unit and coordinate attacks in the U.S. on behalf of the group. Each member of the team had previous military experience through former U.S. Marines who were stationed together at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. They allegedly met on the neo-Nazi online forum Iron March and used encrypted messaging applications to share information with one another about gathering firearms and explosives for use in an attack. Federal prosecutors argued that the group's intended target for a large-scale attack was a power grid substation in the Northwest, for the purpose of creating general chaos and to provide cover and ease of escape in those areas in which they planned to undertake assassinations and other desired operations to further their goal of creating. The goal of these groups is the same as any other terrorist organization that has existed throughout history, cause as much harm and chaos as possible, except these groups exist within our communities and could likely be your neighbor, butcher, or mailman. Be sure to remain vigilant and report any suspicious activity to your local law enforcement department, because they are the wolves in sheep's clothing. I want to thank you for listening this week. If you are interested in purchasing merchandise, the link is available in the show notes below. A portion of each purchase is donated to a charity of your choice. Please be sure to follow the show on its social media pages. There, you can remain up to date with the latest episode releases and future episodes. If you are new, welcome to the podcast. We are glad to have you here. Whether you just want to listen or become a better prepared individual, this is the show for you. Finally, we're looking ahead to season five, which right now seems absolutely insane. But if you would like to participate and submit an episode topic, please feel free to do so. Until next week, this has been Destination Disaster. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.